Welcome to the Taco Brothers Podcast. We're two brothers from another mother come together to talk about what's going on in urban pop culture, sports, music, health, and real issues that face our community. All straight with no chaser and a splash of comedy. Are y'all ready to get this started? Here's your host, Go D and Smash. What's happening, everybody? It's your boy, Godie. And it's your boy, Smash, coming at you. want to welcome you guys to another episode of the Talk of Brothers podcast, man. We, we got a really good show on hand for you guys today. Being that it's Mental Health Awareness Month, uh, we thought we'll bring a good friend of ours, Huey, on the line. He's an uh, expert in the mental health industry, and we want to bring him in and, and get him to talk about uh, the issues in the black community as far as why uh, mental health is such taboo and the things that we can do to... To, to break to take that stigma off of the mental health issues that we see going on right now in, in our youth and adult communities and african-american communities yeah definitely that's and that's exactly what it is it's a stigma man like for some reason everybody think it's wrong to get mental health but when something's wrong with your body you go get physical help from the uh, medical people why not go get mental help which i think is a little bit more important than your physical or you could say they're both equal it's nothing wrong, man. You break your arm, you're going to go to the doctor. You know what I'm saying? Right. If, you me- if you're mentally broken, you want to go to see a doctor. You want to go to an expert and get their opinion on what's going on. Like he said, uh, his name is Huey Watson, but like we call him Huey. He got another nickname, but I don't call him that. We'll get into that later. But uh, he's a 36-year-old African-American male who's from Murroge, Louisiana. Now, where that is, I couldn't tell you. That's northern Louisiana, man. That's that's Morehouse Parish. So. It sounds like backwoods Louisiana to me. Oh, it, it's a small town. If I'm, if I may be wrong, but we're going to ask him. It's probably like, can't be population like 500 people at the max, you know. So it's a small, <laughs> it's a small town, believe me. I figured that. Um, let's see. I think, yeah, Huey has a master's in public health and he holds a special concentration in substance abuse, so not only does he do um, mental health, he's able to talk to people who are hooked on drugs or some type of uh, chemical dependency. He uh, also is a mental health first aid trainer in Oklahoma City. When I said earlier, he has that chemical dependency council uh, license in the state of Texas, and he's nationally certified in alcohol and drug counseling. So when I say this guy does it all, he knows everything about this mental health realm. But one thing that he wants to do is bring awareness of mental health to his hometown of Merrodes, Louisiana. So, yeah, definitely. That's something we definitely need. So let's jump right on into this interview. What's going on, Huey, man? How you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, thank you guys for uh, reaching out to me to uh, no have problem, a conversation. Man. Yeah, we look. This is something that we both uh, was looking forward to doing, man. Try to reach out to our uh, black community, and as we said before in the intro, we talked about, man, if you break your arm, you go to see a doctor, and this needs to be the same type of same type of response for mental health. I mean, it's good to have you, man, especially with you being an expert in the field. Oh, most definitely. Uh, it's a lot that I want to get to and talk about as far as uh, what I deal with on a day to day basis and. Me coming from a, I'm from, historically, I'm from the South, I'm from uh, Maroos, Louisiana, so a lot of what we're going to be talking about today, and uh, the stats I'm going to be going over, uh, is going to be really a reflection of, of where I come from. Okay. I'm from Louisiana too, man. I'm from New Orleans. Oh, awesome, awesome. You, you, I'm from the top of it. I know. From the bottom. <laughs> I know. You, 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 uh, that's where Lou Brock is from, correct? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're in the country, man. <laughs> yeah. So, so I did want to, before we before we jump into it, can you, what what is Marouge, Louisiana, about? What does it look like? I mean, it just sounds like it's in the backwoods somewhere. Like, Oh, yeah, yeah. So it's like, like I always get it wrong, but it's like, it, it translates translates to like Red Sea. Because back in the day when it was, when it was yeah. the cotton picking and the, like, Slavery, like my 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 grandma would tell me that her great great grandma would tell her that you can like look for miles away and how the sun kind of hit the 
the continent, it was like a Red Sea. So that's that's kind of where it initially got its name from. It's not a big town, right? It's like okay. maybe like 500, 500 people or something like that. It's not really big, right? It might be like, it might be 600, 700 now. But right. right. It's pretty small. <laughs> hey, what's the food to eat to Say like a uh, coon, squirrel. I knew it was coming, man. Oh, that's, that's, <laughs> that's the country, country for sure. <laughs> I knew it was coming. That's why I had. That's why I had to ask. I knew that coon was coming. <laughs> like, you know, it's a devil. Rabbit. Fried chicken is general. Everybody yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a, a, a little more unique. <laughs> <laughs> so give us a little give us a little uh little background, a little history about yourself, man. What 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 drew you to the mental health field? Okay, so I, I would have to say particularly so I, I came from a, a, a single parent household and I have three brothers on my mom's side. So traditionally coming up, like watching just my mom, this typical behavior that she learned from my family kind of like go from generations to generations to me and me finding out and figuring out, hey, it's the way we live in general as far as what's okay within our family was a little uh, different from how I saw the rest of the world uh, operating. So okay. it, it made me want to figure out like, hey, what's the difference between me and other races that I come in contact with that seem to be, to have an edge a little bit, that seem to be a little ahead of what, what I started when I first like got out of high school. And so as I started that journey I looked more into mental health and I started to see a lot of inconsistent stuff that I was initially taught growing up mm -hmm. uh, being from that area as opposed to the things that they were like brought up learning. Now with you being in that industry and you saying what you notice coming from your area I saw a statistic uh, just getting trying to research a little bit they're saying African Americans are 20% more likely to develop a mental illness during their lifetime than their white counterparts. Do you think that's across the board, or like nationwide, or it's, or it's more like a uh, regional thing? Maybe it's more severe in a rural area versus a city, or you think it's just like that across the board? I mean, I, I know 100% where it comes from because anywhere you have poor and impoverished, like within a, 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 a culture or that environment, they're more mm -hmm. likely to, that's where it comes from. So speaking directly to like the lack of like funds and the lack of insurance and generational wealth and, and having that backup to be able to even go out and seek mental health is just not, not, it's not an option and it's frowned upon in a lot of, not even just African-Americans, just minority communities, it's, it's frowned upon. Why do you think that is? I, I, I personally, uh, and this is just like my personal my personal uh you, my you're personal expert deal. man okay okay so, <laughs> I, I, I would say traditionally like some of the things that that we believe in i mean this is this goes all the way back to the slave days when when mm -hmm. even when, when you look at the the story of nat turner when it was like okay speak about the bible in a way to say hey even when you've been oppressed you still need to work through that to be able to like to mask like them even being slaves so it goes like way, way deep back in, in, in time. So a lot of like the religion and things that were taking place during that time, if you really look at the basics of like the, the religion that was taken on, it's like Christianity, right. you feed it all the way back up to now. It's the same thing that my great, great grandmother like kind of believes in. So I I think it's a, it's a, a bigger thing than, than, we, than we see. And me growing up, what I've always seen was it just was, if, if you said that you had a mental health issue or a mental health problem, then you got to beat them. You get, they'll beat the mental health out of you. Like, that's kind of, it, it, it's tied almost to a, because think about it. If you if you have a child that's schizophrenic, good example, a child that's schizophrenic, if the, the, the amount of money that it takes to, like, get their child, like, the right sessions they need, like, the average community, I mean, the average household where I'm from, I know they can't afford it. Even with Medicaid, because right. they only pay a certain portion of it. And so how would you, like, if I had a child that was that had a disorder, and I didn't have, like, 
like the money to pay for it or the Medicaid didn't cover everything or they covered certain things. Because traditionally, for, for general mental health illnesses, it takes like five to ten sessions for a person like to get on, on a straight and narrow. So I'm not saying that mental health, once you have it, it's over and it's, so it's about four to six percent of the serious ones, like the phobias, the arachnophobia and the claustrophobia. But on, on average, most people have like anxiety, uh, phobias in, in the realm of like being social. So it's not like the, the things that we see a move and you think, oh, he's a sociopath and he's a, that's not really what mental health is. It's the, that's a piece of it, but it's not generally what everybody goes through. So the average person, five to 10 sessions in an outpatient clinic, meaning they come in during the day, just like you go to a family health appointment, come in, talk to your counselor, an hour at the most, if you get medication, 30 minutes, and you're basically out. So five to 10 of those, and you should be a functioning citizen in your community. We we don't take mental health seriously, but now it seems like with all these athletes and actors and singers coming out saying that they have these stressors and these mental health issues that's causing them to not perform within their, their field, now it seems to be bigger. But and I knew, you know, not being an expert in the field, I knew once I talked to you that I, to me, I knew that a financial uh, economic would be the would be a, a big factor into why we can't do it and then also we just look down upon it but but you're giving us some statistics and giving us some ideas on, on it that's all good news man i want i want to educate people on it you just said something that even made me think about it i mean even if you look at like a player like kevin love who was saying he was having i want to say anxiety and right just all, all the different different players and, and what i think about is when they're asking them like it's one word that you hear people say when somebody come out with mental illness. They say, oh my God, he had the courage. Like, why would you have to say he had the courage? Like, think about that for a second. Like, right. so, that, that must mean that it's something associated with what's going on with him that doesn't make him feel comfortable to talk about it. So, if we're looking at, like, black, uh, black Americans, we make up, from, from year to year, from 13,000 to 14.5 thousand percent of like the u.s population or whatever and so right this this is actually i'm saying this in, in a good way that the, in 2000 i want to say 17 16 17 i don't have the newest stat. like about 6.8 of that uh of that of that 13,000 actually sought out mental health so right. when you when, when you look at like the numbers that that actually equates to i want to say it's like seven million i can't on a, but when you look at it, like, so we're doing a better job of of going to get help and, and looking into it. But when you really, like, sit back and think, man, if Kevin Love, who's a white guy in America, who's a millionaire, like, it, it doesn't feel comfortable coming out. Imagine, like, somebody, like, from an impoverished, impoverished neighborhood, neighborhood that, that might not have those funds, might not have the same social, like, connection or whatever. The stigma, oh, that's a crazy child. Oh, you can't go over their house because they're crazy. Like, imagine yeah. being in that position. So, it, it's, it's, it's amazing, man, like, just thinking about, like, how even to this day, like, I would say 18 years later since I left Maroons, Louisiana, that this is still, like, a topic. And it's still one of right. those things that <clears throat> that we all struggle with in general. I think yeah, it stems, I, too, though, from, like, growing up. I know when I was growing up, my mom and other people around me used to always say, like, don't don't be tell what be going on in this house. So it was just, it's, it stems from that stigma, too. Like, don't let the business of what goes on in this house. And sometimes you just want to talk to people about stuff. But, you know, you, you have that stigma. Don't, don't tell people what's going on. And you just keep it in the house. And in the house, they don't want to hear that you got a problem because... Also, when I was growing up, it was also the same stigma that we do to this day. Like, you got to be a boy. Like, boys don't cry. You know what I mean? So, boys don't have problems or men don't have problems. So, I think it, that that bringing, bringing people up like that, I think it has a problem, too, as far as the stigma. But why is it such a big issue? Why are we, ha- why are we seeing so many issues now with our youth and... And their health, their health issues. I mean, their mental health issues right now. I want to say like we're seeing more or less because. Uh, and I want to clarify something. When I get, when I talk about mental health stuff in our community, I get excited. So, so thirteen mm-hmm. percent 
we make up tw- I mean, 13 to 14% of uh, the population. And what I wanted to say was out of that 13%, 16% were actually seen for a mental health, like either got a mental health diagnosis, I had a mental health Ill- illness. And out of that 16%, that makes up equivalent to 6.8 million, which is more than Houston, Chicago combined. So I, I just, I, I, I knew that, but I wanted to get that out because I think that's, it's important for people that's to huge. know that how. So what that means is that like people are actually like seeing people because think about that that number. So I won't say they're seeing them more or less. I don't know like statistics on that, but I will say it's something that uh that that uh Cordell was saying that's like just mind blowing that triggered something with me as far as like being inside of like the, the black household and and think about this. How many times do we walk around like in our workplaces and we see people that look like they're going through something and we're walking yeah. and our, our natural thing is to say, hey, how are you doing today? How are you doing today? Like normally when you ask somebody that, what do they say normally, typically? They say, I'm good, I'm, good. I'm fine. Nothing's I'm good, wrong. I'm fine. I'm good, I'm <laughs> fine. So what happens is like when somebody says, I'm depressed, I don't know what to do, like we're not trained with the tools to help people from the get-go. So, no, we, we're, our ears are trained, exactly, you know, our ears are trained to hear, like, I'm good, and we're hoping to God. And most of the time, we're not even interested in how they're doing. We're just trained to act, like, how are you doing doing today? We treat it like death. Yeah. You, know? you know what I'm saying? When somebody's, like you said, somebody's having that issue, you kind of, like, get reserved and don't want to talk about it and don't want to expound on it. Because one thing for sure, that's something that we didn't talk about in my household. We didn't talk about mental illness. Most people would be like, man, if they got a mental health issue, they crazy. And that's not fair. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's that's an issue that's, that's a health issue that needs to be addressed. Even like you said with the with the insurance and, and the healthcare industry, as far as covering this issue, they don't even seem like it's an issue. I can, you can pay for me to get my leg broke or I can get a, a kidney replaced. But you mean I can't go down and sit, I can't sit down with somebody and try to address my mental health issues to be able to figure out what's going on, whether, I, you know, whether I'm manic depressing or whether I'm, I'm just have anxiety or what my mental issue is so I can be a function, a functioning uh, person in society. Yeah, and and, and I, I, would, I would say like as far as comfortability, because if you... I, whenever I'm looking at any situation that I deal with, like especially like having a, a public health like background, just looking across the scale, I look at okay, what's comparable to mental health like within our, within our community? And so I apply it to me and my mom. So my mom is was it was I won't say is she was is extremely like afraid of talking about death. So right. the only time we knew if someone had insurance was when they died. So. It's, 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 it's similar to the same thing as far as being comfortable. So with, with my family, I can speak to my family, like in our culture. I speak to the, all of them about, hey, when the last time you checked your insurance? Hey, you know your sugar's high. Hey, you know, you know you're going to die one day. We need to talk about what happens like when you die or whatever. Like when you get to a point within our community in general, when you get to a point where you can have a, a fair and honest conversation with the people that we talk to every day that we should be able to have these conversations with, and I, I feel like whatever disconnection like within our race when it comes to that, they figured it out in other races. I won't specify no specific race, but I give you an example. My auntie, who who who's from New York, she died a year ago, and my mom and my whole family stated like, man, she's well off. She's always done well for herself. She owns her house. So they was like, we we know she's good. They go, she dies, they go and look it up. No insurance. Everybody's like blown away. They call wow. me, I, I have to send three grand. My brother who's a lawyer, he sends a couple grand. And that's how we go. My my supervisor, her father died six years ago. The day he died, and this is a white, a white male, he died. And from the time he was 18, he had $1.6 million worth of insurance on his life. So the, the mentality that we have, and a part of that is she was like, oh, I know that he has this much because we talked about it 10 years ago. So right. the same way, like, they that other races communicate, I think they do that in, in some capacity, like, with mental health. Like, and, and I'm not saying that, like, this person, is this race is better or this culture. I think we all have an issue with it. But numbers show that African Americans have, like, a severely... 
a higher number when it comes to like not feeling comfortable or looking at mental health in a different light. Oh yeah, right. no, I believe I, I believe you 100. percent And I I think too like in the African African American community is that I know like growing up in the deep south, like they tend to turn to faith more than the medical. You yeah. know what I mean? They'll they'll try to heal you or anoint you or whatever. Oh yeah. And try to pray the the mental illness out of you. Instead of just seeking a doctor, you know, so. One thing I like to do, especially in mental health, like, I talk to a lot of older people. Like, my granddad is, like, 86. Like, my grandma was, like, 95. So I wanted to know every story about, like, like what was a hanging tree and what did that mean? Like, I, I'm at an age, I'm 36, but I'm young enough that I saw the KKK. So I'm close enough, like, to that stuff that I can, I can give a pretty good idea of, like, how they were thinking like at that time and even hearing them talk so we so we talk about substance abuse and like like just like anything it, it, what's the what's under that what, what's the level un, under the substance substance abuse and the mental health and the issues in the community and it's really what we're talking about as far as people how people communicate with each other and what's okay like like Cordell said as far as like within this household it was known to not talk to the talk 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 your business outside of the house. Well, let's talk about like police and police reform and all this. Like, it's not okay to talk to police where we from, also. So a lot of things mm -hmm. that we're saying are like kind of like attached to each other, and they all mm -hmm. like are, are within our culturally in our culture how we view it. So I think it's, a, it's it's all rooted to like back in the day the overseer to like the cops protecting to serve, and sometimes it can come off. Depending on where you come from, it's not like when I came into the to my profession to start doing like mental health. Like one of the things that I learned when I came into the profession is that man, where I come where I come from is really different from where I'm at right now. Because I was told by my mom to never talk to a cop, and they all quirky and don't trust me. <laughs> so this, this right. is this is what I'm getting coming from where I'm coming from. But I'm in a position in my life now where I have a master's. I live in a bigger house, have a few cars, pretty successful. And so the police in my neighborhood now, when I when they see me like looking at my business attire, they wave at me, and it's a whole different mindset than where I was where I was at. You did good, man, because I remember me moving into my neighborhood, which is a pretty good neighborhood as well. I have a '96 Impala, and I'm riding down the street, man. It took it took a few months for the laws in my area to to understand that, hey, man, I live here. It took a minute for them to accept that. And it's and it's and that and all those things leads to adding stress to you. I can't drive this car because they're gonna profile me. You know what I'm saying? All that stuff leads to those mental health issues, and that just adds to those stresses. Wouldn't you agree? Oh yeah, without a doubt. Because it's specifically like anxiety, because because I've been in situations before when like you know what I use? I give you the, probably like the basic of the basics. My brother, he's a lawyer. He's in uh, Texas Tech. Well, he's, he graduated from Texas Tech. He has a, a couple of, like, law firms that he drives back and forth to. So when he was in law school, like, you got to realize, like, I, I, I can't think of a percentage. It was a very low percentage of, like, African Americans, like, in his class, let alone from the rules that we none of. So he's the only law student in the, on the entire campus who's driving a box Chevy. <laughs> yeah, and, <laughs> and no one can figure out, like, how is this dude... But he's not just driving a box Chevy. He's smart. He right. graduated the top percentage of his class. And, right. and the, the things that we don't understand, we shun. And, that, and right. that's not just even one race. That's just back and forth. The things that I don't understand, I was like, hey, that's, that's weird shit. Like, that's that's my mentality of how I grew up. And it's the same thing with mental health. Like, think about it. If you don't understand something normally, you don't have the education about it, what is it considered? It's weirdo. It's goofy. That's right. the mentality yeah. of it. And I, I think that's a piece of it, too. Like, the, if we don't understand it, it's lame. It's weird. It's something that we don't want to be associated with. Get it together. You shake yourself out of that situation and come back up with, up, up here with us so we don't have to have to deal with your weird problems right now. That's really what <laughs> yeah, it is. And, I, and I, remember, I remember my grandmother sitting back saying when she was growing up, they will always try to keep you physically strong but mentally weak and i just think that's been such ingrained in us as a community that that cycle just hasn't been broken and we just hadn't 
had the opportunity to, to break that cycle and mental health is being a, such taboo issue we never even at this point in time you think about it we turn about my grandmother uh, has, has passed away last year and she was in her 80s so you think about 80s and I'm in my 40s now so we haven't even addressed this issue so we're just scratching the surface of of how we even deal with it and I think it's getting worse more with technology and and all these all these stresses that's out here now and with these kids being exposed to what they're being exposed to and have have more accessibility to things that they that they shouldn't see and we as adults we wouldn't want them to see and that's add to the stressor as well so it's actually getting worse before it's getting better that's probably probably the most difficult like challenge like so everything you said is spot on and straight as far as uh, physically strong, mentally weak, like, all of that makes sense. And this is the this is the, the, the sad part to me, and this is the part that I have to figure out. Because at some point in time, I plan at some point in time to like run for the mayor of my, my, my town and like hopefully go up. And so I, there are things that I'm trying to like accomplish. And I'm doing this thing, mental health first aid, uh, where it focuses on helping individuals that go through mental health crisis, a problem. So for me, Based on what you said, I feel extremely happy and confident in my house. Like right. inside of my house is my castle. And the integrity of what it means to be African-American, the pride of what it means, the courage of what it means, it lives in my house. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. it's so amazing. You can walk in my house and you'll see what it's like to be in Wakanda, man. Like, that's how I feel. <laughs> so when you walk outside of my house, man, that's when it gets so- scary. So like, Black Panther lives at your address? That, like, <laughs> hey, it's all vibranium. Everything is in my house. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> that's really, that's, 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 that's the best way I can explain, man, how I look at right. it. Because I know that I'm found within my house. So when I, the, the sad part for me is like not being able. So when I step into like the world of what's happening, like I have a one-year-old son who I'm already okay. training on what he needs to be doing. Like, I talk to him, I hold him my chest. And I, I talk to him all the time and be like, you're going to be a king. You know what I'm saying? I talk to my son. I do the things that my mama did, but didn't do all the way effective enough for me. And so I'm kind of right. closing in on that. So right. you're right. Like, the, the the world, like, in general, and, like, even when you were talking about that, my mind, my, my head was spinning. I had to ground myself because it's so many things that are happening that's, like, that's not in my control, but I'm trying to, in the effort of uh, moving things in the right direction, I'm trying. So, I mean, I don't know if that, I, I, I tried to, because you said something to me that was important as far as, like, the bigger picture or whatever. And it, I feel bad sometimes because I know, like, that I'm good as far as, like, my household, but I'm worried about everybody else. You know what I mean? Right. If if you were, if if you could take a, if you could change it, what would be the, I mean, if you had a, the total control of the whole situation, what would be the first thing that you would do to to to, to rectify this situation? All right, so the first thing I would do is education. And this, this is going to sound crazy, like, like, and this is just off the, off the, off the uh, top of my head, what I'm thinking. Call it a, a freestyle. So, <laughs> in my opinion, we always say, like, like education and educate the kids. Sometimes I think we do that backwards, man. Like if I financially could do it, I would almost put the parents in some type of training. Because when when kids get out of school, like the parents have control over like their lives for the majority. And so if your parent believes in it, our whole cultural system, like from where we come from, it's like 80% of our family kind of dictates our beliefs, how we move, how we, what we think smells good, what tastes good. So it'd be insane to think that I'm going to educate this child and he's going to have like the highest chance like to make it. No, it's pretty right. good that he, he, he's going to have an opportunity. But if you can find a way to impact his whole situation and I like the 360 feedback we talk about everything around, the more you can impact everything around that person. Even if you didn't even offer that education to that person. If you have the right people in the right places, the mentors, the parents, the uncles, if you can change how they view things and mental health, 
And it's gonna impact your child. It's right. it's a uh, funny you said that, Huey, because you you brought me to something because I, I love psychology. I, I like to figure out why people do what they do. And my um, my degree is in social psychology, but I work with a social worker, right? And oh, me yeah. and her were having the conversation, and we were talking about mental health. And one thing she pointed out that during her time in social work, when when it's one person that has a mental health problem, they do focus on that person. But throughout the, how you mentioned earlier, like five to ten sessions throughout one of those sessions, they bring in oh, the yeah. family. So is it seems like, you know, when they bring in the family, it seems like what you're saying is correct. Like, we need to educate the parents because it's starting from the family going into that, maybe that one individual, you know what I mean? So that was that's pretty interesting that when you said that it sparked something in me. Oh, yeah. Do you think that's because true? Even with the dynamics. Oh, yeah, that's true without, without a doubt. Like, I, that's, even when we, when we see patients and we do groups, that's a part of it. And the, the most important part is, like, for the family members to understand, like, their roles, like, within the family. Because especially, like, when you're talking about substance abuse in the African-American community. Like, think about a lot of times you have, like, the, the, the scapegoat, the person that, like, they, they, they pin stuff on. You have, like, the the child that they can, we call it, like, the joker, the one that's, like, that laughs and takes, takes away from the parent being, like, on a drug. So it's, like, all these okay. different dynamics. And then the actual, like, person, and I, I forgot the actual name on, on this, don't quote me on this, but basically the wife who's basically making excuses, like, for that person. And uh, so when you understand, like, all the dynamics of a family, man, it, it kind of, like, it helps you heal, but long story short, what you said as far as bringing in the family in certain sessions, they do, they do that. But what, he, what, 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 what you were talking about initially as far as changing, like, the big, big, big picture, like, that would be not even, uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even say counseling or, or even mental health. So it's, 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 it's clinical pieces and then it's educational pieces. It's just like, uh, okay. when I do substance abuse, like, I do, the educational piece and I say hey you know you weigh 150 pounds so when you drink this is a standard drink do you notice that this is what it looks like when you drink three of these this is your BAC that's more of like the educational piece but when I start talking about like biopsychosocial when it's talking about okay uh, as far as like your family background and, and your, your DNA makeup you're gonna be probably you can you have a higher rate of being addicted to this and then taking counseling from that point of view so I'm speaking more of like not counseling, but education, like basic education okay. of them understanding why you don't talk about this and what does this mean or what could this mental. Did you did you guys know that the average person, not white, black, everybody, the average person that has a mental health diagnosis disorder, they don't find out until ten years after they have it. Like that's mm, the average. I didn't know that. Wow. So that's the average. I didn't know so that. when you think about. You think about them recovering. So when we're speaking of recovering, we're talking about, okay, how various is, is the symptoms? Like, how, how long has it been taking place? So think about this. If you if you get a fever, I mean, if you get, like, a flu, and I know a flu don't last, I guess, but I'm trying to put it in other medical terms. You only have a flu for, like, a day. Like, I would assume, or whatever the F disease, like, it probably would be easier to treat because if, if you had a day, it can catch you before it spread cancer. That's a good good. good Good, good, I mean, good example of it. But as opposed to having stuff for 10 years, man, and that's the average. Yeah. I was blown away when I found that out. Like, that is the average. So for youth mental health and for adult mental health, it's 10 years is the average. And wow. why do you guys think that? Just guess and let me know what you guys think. Why does it take that long? I, I think it leads, for me, I think it leads back to your point that you made is that they're, they're not educated to even be able to be aware of what these symptoms are or what the to look for to be able to get them some mental health. Yeah. And I'm like you, I try to relate it all back to a physical illness versus um, um to try to to try to give a comparison to, to oh, help yeah. understand the mental, mental illness, illness. You know what I'm saying? Again, if you got a common cold, cold and you're and you seeing, seeing those symptoms, you're going, you're going to the doctor. Right right you're going to try to medicate um, over the counter, but then you're going to try to go ahead and if that doesn't work, then you're going to go seek a professional. So I think it's just more education, not even knowing what the symptoms look like. And that's one of the things I wanted to touch on with you so that the listeners can understand what are some of the symptoms. And right now I know um, 
man, shouts out to Santa Fe, man. The right here in Houston, um, it's probably like that's only like a, a, a school and neighborhood that's probably like 20 minutes away from me. Um, and they just had that mass shooting, and I'm more than sure that had this kid was showing signs of some signs of, of depression, anxiety, but they just nobody seems to notice it until the 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 mass shootings happen. Then you want to start researching and wondering why it happened. And I'm more than sure once they actually come into it and start looking at it, it's gonna come back to what you're saying. That we're just not educated on it. We don't we're not even equipped the the teachers, the principal, the the counselors, they're just not equipped to even to deal with these type of situations to understand what's going on. No, nah, it it just goes with what D's saying, man. Like and, and you said it earlier too, like we aren't educated because I said that all the time, like, you know, a lot of people get training on what to do for active shooter, what to do for this and all that stuff. But you said it earlier, you, we, we ask people and it's just a professional thing to do in wherever you work to say, hey, how you doing today? And blase, blase. But when that person says they're not doing fine, nobody knows how to act. Nobody knows how to respond because they're so used to that. Yep. Answer, I'm good, I'm fine. And then when they, somebody says they're not good, that person just freeze like, oh man, the, the, <laughs> the number one answer they say is like, man, it's going to get better, man. It's going to get better. We deal with like bullying a lot. And like, even though it's not directly, yeah, it's kind of related to mental health. And oftentimes, like when we sit down with people that's, that's being bullied and we mm-hmm. understand the perspective of how they see it. It, it basically comes down to people, the person that's bullying, not feeling. Uh, how do how do I say it? Not feeling like confident in themselves, so projecting that on to another person. That's that's initially what we what we see when we look at like bullying. Well, what what's you guys take on that? Bullying is a natural progression for a kid to be able to it's part of their development and i and i i know it sounds crazy and i know people will be like what but that's something that that helps to just like when you have a baby and they tell a baby let him get let him be exposed to some germs so he can build an immunity to them to those germs um they have to be exposed to this and to be able to understand how to deal with bullying and it has to be it's part of the cycle of, of being a, a youth going into your adulthood because I don't think bullying just there's always forms of bullying from a youth to adult it's always going to be a form of bullying and it's something that you have to learn and be able to deal with and I'm like you it's not a mental health issue it's a it's of how to deal with an issue you know um, if you don't you know my dad the kid on my block was bullying me and my dad said you know he put me back on the porch and he said, man, look here, you go out there and you kick his butt or I'm going to come, I'm going to kick your butt when you come home because that's good. Bullying is going to stop once you, uh, once you uh, address the issue. And sure enough, I went outside, we, me and the guy had a fight and the bullying stopped. You know what I'm saying? So it's kind of like, I'm with you. It's not really a mental issue. I really think it's just a, something that we need to address and, and our parents need to, the parents need to to sit down with the kid and tell them how to address it. Because, I mean, it's many times that they've, they've had issues where those kids will go out to do that and they'll go to the teacher, they'll go to the principal, and it just doesn't stop. You know what I'm saying? So it's more of, of that kid has to be take that take that head on and that's just I, to me I just think that's something that needs to be I gotta disagree with you on that Go like, ahead. I Go agree ahead. with Huey is, is not mental health but as far as like a natural progression I, I disagree because I think they're normally if somebody's bullying it's something that they're lacking in their life because they're right. trying to make themselves feel better than the person that they're bullying right. and, and like you said when you step up to that bully then they, they realize, like, okay, they're put back, if you want to say, put back in their place because now they realize, like, okay, like, I'm not, you know what I'm saying, I don't have anything over this person anymore. But we're, but again, you still have to address that bully. You get what I'm saying? Even though there's something that's, there's a, there's some type of stressor, there's some type of, some type of imbalance within that home to make that kid react that way. But you still have to address it. And a lot of times, if you don't address it head on uh, as an adult to a kid, it, it may not rectify the situation. 
You know what I'm saying? How many times have have you been in a situation where somebody was picking on you and and trying to take advantage of you, and you go tell your mom or you tell or tell or tell a responsible adult, and the situation doesn't rectify itself. It, it, it took you to go in that schoolyard and actually have to have uh, you know a, a fisticuff to make it to rectify the situation. So I'm not disagreeing with you that it's definitely something wrong within the household to make that child act like that. But I definitely think it's something that that the person that's being treated that way has to face that head on. And that's what that's what I'm saying. So I had to cut you guys off. Both of you guys make great points. This is what I'll say. So I don't know if you guys saw the uh it's a, a Netflix series. It's called Thirteen Reasons Why. So, yeah, right, watch that. And okay. Okay. So this is when it becomes to tie back into everything we talked about. This is when it becomes a mental health issue. Is when, like, it, it, it starts to. So what you said about it's it's great for a young person to have to fight through something significant at a young age. That's gonna help them grow. I I I, I agree with that. A hundred percent agree with that. And it's gonna happen regardless. This is when we have a problem though with bullying. We have a problem. When we assume that our culture is as resilient as we are. Because it's obvious, like, if you look at the numbers now as far as resiliency and the number of suicides for, like, young people and bullying, and that's why the rate is so high. What do you say? Yeah. I just looked at that. Go ahead. I'm listening to you. I just looked at that. Yeah, and and (laughs) so it's very, man, it's, it's very, like, interesting because everything you're saying, like, us three on the phone, I can tell that we come from that cloth and we cut from that cloth. But what is it going to take moving forward? I personally think it's going to be, it's different, man. Like, my son, I hope he's like me, but I doubt it. And what that means is, like, the things that we're talking about and bullying, he's going to come home streaming and I'm going to make him go out there and knuckle up. It's just a part exactly. of it. Exactly. Exactly. I, so I, I, I agree, like, with, with the, the premises of it. I just know, like, kind of like taking a little what Ciro said, like, culturally and bigger than us in this conversation, I don't feel like our young people are resilient enough to be to understand, hey, this bullying is going to get me to this Fortune 500 club. You know what I'm saying? They're not going to be able to connect the dots with that. So right. I think it's a great conversation, right. nevertheless. See, like... Right. Like me growing up, I was the preacher. You want a bully? I'm gonna lay hands on you then. You know what I'm saying? Like you ain't finna push me around oh, and make me do something oh, I wanna do. But so you know what but I'm you saying? didn't agree with it, but you wanna lay hands now. But you don't agree with you. Like, you, you ain't gonna push okay. me to do you ain't gonna push okay. me to do something that I don't wanna do. Like you ain't like I'm gonna put you in your place. But I'm I'm saying like nobody even approached me like that, but like I felt like growing up I protected people that were getting bullied because I, I understood that they didn't have the, the you know, whatever in them to stand up for themselves. Right. But, you know, I mean, right. we I think we all saying similar the same thing, even though I don't agree with some of the stuff, you know what I'm saying? But it, it is, everybody got their opinion. Because I don't understand, like, a, if you to be saying it's okay. To be bullied, it's okay, bro. To be bullied is a, is a rite of passage for a kid so, so growing up if it, to be able to to endure and be resilient enough to stand up for themselves. And that's well, going to happen on. in the workplace. It's going to happen hold everywhere. If, it, if it's so... If it's okay, and this go out to both of y'all, if y'all both say it's okay as a kid to get bullied, then how come we're not bullying we're not saying it's in the okay. workplace? No, I'm just saying, how come we're not bullying in the workplace as adults? How come we're not bullying as adults? There is bullying happening in the workplace. This this is what I was saying. So when you talk about, like, the development of a child, like, from from a baby to things that you go through, like, like, I don't want to get all signaling forward, but, like, different levels of, like, challenges (laughs) that you go through, like, in your life. But, like, in the reality of it, man, like, when you're a child and you've been developed, that's really the time for you to go through it. So it's certain things... That that's more appropriate for a child that wouldn't be appropriate for a grown up because you already went through those developmental stages. So I'm not saying this is for the record. So we on, on, on we all together. I'm not saying <laughs> it's okay to be bullied. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm saying I'm saying I went through exactly what you guys are talking to and it made me stronger. My my problem that I have with bullying is this. Like I said before, I want to take you back to this. Our kids are not as resilient. So suicide is at a different rate because we don't. Every generation, people always say, "Man, when I was when I when I was their age, 
you can look back at 1901 and the same old dude said the same thing. So it's all, every generation is going to be like this. All I'm saying is until we figure out how to help our kids be more resilient, to talk more about mental health, bullying might not be the, be the thing for us without people killing themselves. And that's my, my take on it. Right. But I, I want to ask you this because what I see a lot and I didn't understand, like, I'm not going to lie, like, I didn't understand. And I have family members that have depression. And I thought, mm-hmm. and I, I swear I didn't understand. I thought depression was a choice. And I know that may sound stupid to people that are listening, but like, I thought it was a choice. I didn't understand it until I actually went through it myself. And then I yeah. understood that they really don't have a choice. But that's what I see a lot of people going through now, the depression. So how do you help someone who is going through depression? Because as you said, like Kevin Love went through the same thing, correct? Oh, yeah. What I'm talking yeah. about. So, so let's, let's talk about like, so I'm not an actual mental health provider, but I work with a lot of providers and I'm licensed and the other stuff we talked about. And I have a good understanding. So it's basically... It's, it's being there in the moment for the person. Like, it's the same thing, like, if, if you got, if you're married, like, your wife might come to you and say, oh my God, my eyebrows are horrible. Look at what they did to them. She know you can't get no raises and fix her eyebrows. You get what I'm saying? Like, the, <laughs> the main, the main thing is to, like, be in, it's the same concept. It's to be in the moment with the person. It's right, to, okay. it's a, it's, it's to talk to the person. It's to ask open-ended questions, use affirmations, uh, use reflections. And summarize everything you guys talked about. So, so what it means is to listen to them and to when they say, "Hey, you want to understand what I'm going through? Like right now, like I don't know how I'm a, like I can understand how this would be difficult for you right now. Only thing I want to do is be here in the moment for you. Whatever you need me to do, you need to tell me. I'm not leaving your side. How can I help? Like so, we call it like meeting the person where they at. So even if it's right. depression, if, if you're going through, figure out what, what a person is at and why they're at that place. And you just help them work through those problems. See, therapy is nothing but you figuring out your own problems. It's me right, taking right. you on a journey and, and, and you telling me, and I'm kind of like, you know how you lose your keys in the house? And you're like, yeah. man, what the last place I'm... So when was the last time you had your keys and you were smiling about to get in your truck? So I'm, I'm gonna backtrack with you till you get back to that point, and that's really like what therapy is. Like so that's, and sometimes with depression, it's a chemical imbalance thing. So sometimes it, it, it might be medication. You know what I mean? Sometimes it might be okay, just be there for that person. So it's different levels, and like we said before, how many years? Ten years. It can be ten years right. that was. So so Cordell, you could have been dealing with depression for ten years, and it didn't it didn't manifest to a level to where like. It was impacting your life or whatever. So it matters about the severity of it, how long you had it. Uh, have you ever sought, sought out treatment for it? Like uh, genetically, does anyone else in your family has it? So it's an array of things. That's why it's so difficult to like pinpoint. No, that's, that's good stuff. Because so, I, I, I know like in my, in my classes that I took on psychology and all that stuff, one thing that I realized that you just said it like you're supposed to listen and try to help the person get back to the point and one thing that I realize a lot of people do and sometimes I've caught myself doing it with my wife and my kids and I have to pull myself back is when they have a problem you're not not psychoanalyzing your family are you (laughs) no no (laughs) no but what I'm saying you're using your family as test subjects (laughs) sometimes yeah I do but (laughs) no when they come to you with a problem though your first instance as a man is to or the head of the household, however you want to state it, or leadership role at work, whatever. Your first uh, instinct is to solve it, but sometimes people just want you to listen, like you were saying. You, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's I agree with that. That's, that's that's the biggest thing, man. I tell I tell everybody that I work with, like the people under me. I make sure I tell them all the time. Like I tell them on a weekly basis. You need to figure out how to be comfortable with silence. You just do. Like the, the sooner you feel comfortable, because we, we're having a conversation right now, but think about when you're talking to somebody. And like, I know we're in different professions, but professionally, when someone comes into my office and I know that they're struggling with depression, uh, psychosis, bipolar, like whatever. Like when I'm asking them questions, the worst thing as a, as a new mental health technician for me 
was to ask somebody a question. And in my mind, I know it was a great question. And they look at me and don't say anything. And I don't know what to say because it's uncomfortable. I think about right. that. It's uncomfortable. And so I, I had to learn how to be, like, comfortable with the silence. Because silence sometimes is a big is the biggest communicator than you saying anything out of your mouth. Because right. you're giving them a lane to, to, to paint. I always say, like, if you could paint a, a, a collage of your life in the last 15 years, how would you paint that? And when I ask that, it's an open-ended question. So I ask that question, and I actually get, like, an hour and a half worth of material instead of having to ask, like, certain things. So I'm going too deep into it, but I just wanted to, you, you, you struck something in my, in my, uh, it, come to brain, man, if so I had to spit it out. It's such an issue that I, I really want to do a part one and part two. Smash, that was really good right there, man. That was gold right there. Oh, yeah, man. I love it. I told you, man. He, he's real passionate about his um, job in the mental health world. So I, I like it, man. It was good conversation and good learning for me. Yeah, man. We, we, we talked about so much good stuff, man. It called for a part two. So we've given the listeners a real good treat here coming up uh, this week. We give them two, two episodes talking to Huey about mental health. And it, I think it's needed, man. I think we just need to have a uh, somebody needs to be able to reach out and, and give us an understanding from our from a black perspective, not necessarily from just the mental health. And and just I really want to indulge and understand why um, mental health is such an issue right now. And it doesn't. I, I guess when we talked to him, he said it didn't seem like it was a. He hadn't seen it as a bigger or lesser issue than early in his career or late in his career, but it just seems like it's just uh, a systemic issue across the board. And I just wanted to be able to, you know, give a piece of of our, from our community, a thought on how, how we look at it and how we attack it and, and try to take that stigma and that taboo off of uh, going to get some mental health. There's nothing wrong with it. Oh, yeah, I definitely want to uh, take that taboo off of it. And like I said, man, I'm I'm learning stuff as I go. I thought I knew some things, but I, I've learned a lot just through this uh, little, little talk that we having right now, this conversation. So I'd like to jump in if we can, jump in in part two so we can see what else we can get out of it. Oh, yeah, man. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. So you guys sit back, relax, and, and enjoy part two as well. 